Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we are on to Book 2 Earth, Chapter 5, Avatar Day. Um, it has been a while since we recorded. We, we we pre-recorded a bunch of stuff for the holidays. So, like, we haven't actually sat and recorded for a, a couple weeks. So, I feel rusty just talking about oh, this. Me too. And the summaries. I forgot how long they took. Yes. <laughs> I finished mine very late. <laughs> right. Um, this is one that uh, when I looked at the list of sort of least liked episodes with The Great Divide being the, the most least liked episode that's a weird <laughs> sentence um this is one that's in i think the top five right um which is interesting because i actually think it's pretty good there's some parts of it that i like it's also funny i yeah. think our, our boy john o'brien he did yeah he did um so yeah so it's a john o'brien episode i do think it's i do think it has some very funny moments um i'm gonna come down on the side of pro avatar day okay so i'm curious to know as we go through this i want you to point out the stuff especially you don't like Okay. Where you're like, oh, like like that that bugs me or, or things like that. Because um, one of the points you made, and I think we can talk about this as we go through it, is this episode almost seems out of time a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you could put it, you could slot it in almost anywhere in this season so far and it would just feel like, yeah, it fits in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They, it seems like they lost sight of their goal of finding an earthbending teacher. In this episode, like it just there was so much else going on. And I'm gonna make the I actually gonna make the argument that that there that, that actually makes sense. So mm-hmm. when we go through here. So so okay. let's 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 think about that. Let's dive right into this episode, because as you said, all these summaries are long at this point. <laughs> so the show opens uh with Appa and the gang, and I I don't know why I picked Appa. Appa's the first thing I saw um in this shot. <laughs> Appa and the gang camping out in a pine forest just as dawn is breaking and everyone's asleep. And then we see uh, this really weird shot that I don't think we've ever seen before of this. Uh, it's a spider web that's formed over an open mouth, but they, but it's as if the camera is inside the mouth looking out. Yes. So, like, I wasn't sure whose mouth this You're was. You're seeing, like, the silhouette of the spider, like, in the light behind it. Yeah, and it. you see the teeth around the edges, but it's like. I think I thought it was Appa. It was 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 my, but that would be a huge spider. But this is a world where huge things exist, right? Um, and we realized quickly that it is Sokka's mouth. Which I'm like, how long was he sleeping? Well, if this is the like I said, day is breaking, so they could have been slept sleeping for hours. Man, that is terrifying to think of that reality. Annie, this happens to all of us every night and we just don't notice. <laughs> That's kind of cute then. Okay, yeah. This little home. <laughs> I don't actually believe that. I'm not one of those, you know, the average human eats 25 oh. spiders a year yeah. know, in their sleep, but I'm sure it's true. Um, that would make, does, does, as, a, as a vegan, I sorry to go tangential already, as a vegan, how do you feel about that? Is that an own goal on the spider's part? Not really your Yeah, kind of. I'm like, you aren't supposed to be there, bud. Okay. You know? And it's not so much on me at that point. Right. I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, we see we see Momo inspecting um, and sort of goes for the spider at the center of the web. And it's prey because a, 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 a like fly lands on the web. And he ends up shoving his fist into Sokka's mouth, to which Sokka understandably snaps awake. <laughs> 
He says, what are you doing in my mouth? Momo, you need to be a little more sensitive to my boundaries, which is a good opening. Oh, it's so good. And also we talked about how Sokka is like slowly warming up to the animals. Yeah. yeah this is one of those yeah. moments. There's actually going to be a, a moment later where we're going to see Sokka and, Sokka and Momo together. Or Sokka, that would be their like, their, like couple oh, <laughs> name. Dude. I like that. Uh, so, But then the ground starts to shake and the gang notices that they're surrounded by a group of firebenders. But they're not wearing the usual Fire Nation uniforms. Like this seems like a like a some kind of rogue squad of right. firebenders. Just ruffians. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're riding on rhinos. And this is probably always true of the rhinos, but I never noticed that the rhinos not only have the like one horn on their nose, but they seem to have two horns up top as well, like yeah. triceratops. Are they a hybrid of some other animal in our world, or is it like a tricera rhino? I don't know that no. you're, you're usually I was going to I was actually about to ask you, can you explain this animal to me? I didn't do my research. on. And do all time. the rhinos have horns like the horns up top like that in this show? I think so, because I feel like we've seen that same rhino before. Like, yeah, yeah, we've seen, definitely look. seen rhinos. I just never noticed. For some reason, I paid more attention to them and I was like, oh, that's interesting. They have the horns up top. Mm. So probably some kind of hybrid. Terrifying. Yeah. So they surround our heroes and they start shooting flaming arrows at them. And they all rush to get aboard Appa to fly away. Uh, But we see Katara run back for her scrolls. Now, what's interesting is the scrolls are actually given to Aang, not Katara. But she's going back (laughs) for them as her scrolls. As the master. Yes. Yeah. Um, And Aang goes back for his staff. Right. Yes, now, they all are missing something crucial to their identity. Right, and 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 the two things that they go back and get are crucial not only to their identity but their identity as benders. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and they're attacked with various weapons. So we see a spear, we see a tree that's down with chains, we see explosives. So it's like every member of this like <laughs> rhino crew has their own like they're like the Ninja Turtles, right? They all have yeah. their own like this is my my particular weapon. Who were the the freedom folks in the forest that they met that uh, oh like Jet and yeah folks? like they yeah. all kind of had a similar vibe yeah didn't they? oh that's that's a really good point yeah this is kind of like that yeah yeah um uh, they managed to narrowly escape on Appa uh, with their items but as they're flying away Sokka realizes that his boomerang was left behind another crucial part of his identity absolutely and they don't go back for it. Uh, and Sokka at this point is confronted, I think, with the non-bender double standard, right? Yeah. That like, and I think this is actually, this actually is a theme in this episode. And I'm wondering, I'm assuming we've already seen this tension a little bit, but I'm assuming we'll see it going forward as well. This idea that like Sokka doesn't get to be special like they do. Like yeah. they actually have this magic power that he doesn't have and and he has to sacrifice for mm-hmm, it for mm-hmm. their power yeah yeah and there's moments where he's definitely sort of confronted with that can i can i interject this oh, is a, a spot where i have something oh yeah go that for I it picked um so you mentioned explosives and they had so part of the forest that they were nearby started on fire and the crew flew off understandably to get away from mm-hmm. danger but I was angry at Katara for not just quickly taking out her water and just like dousing the fire. Oh, sure. Because it's like it could start a forest fire. And they've already talked about how that's like one of the worst things that they've seen on their journey, right? Like the da- damage of the fire. That's a good point. Bothered me. Yeah. Bothered me. I, I would say, though, 
that nothing in the story seems to point to the fact that a forest fire happened. So yeah. you could say she wasn't careful enough, but there wasn't consequences. Yeah. So maybe now <laughs> I feel like I'm here to defend this episode. <laughs> now after Aang has been to the swamp, he's like in touch with the trees and he's like, I'll ah, right. be fine. He's got the tree internet that he's using. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we cut to later in the day and Aang, Sok and Katara are at a small sort of grocery stand uh, at a seaside village. Uh, Aang apologizes to Sokka uh, about about the boomerang. And Sokka, genuinely Sokka's, feel bad for him. Absolutely, right? Uh, and Sokka says, I feel like I've lost part of my identity. So as we said, this is going to be a huge theme. Imagine if you lost your arrow or Katara lost her hair loopies. <laughs> is this the first reference to her hair? I, I think it's the first time that they just address it. Like, she has this thing. <laughs> and we haven't talked about it. <laughs> right, right. Um uh, and then at the the man at the stand, uh, the man at the stand calls Sokka ponytail guy, like when he's sort of grabbing the the food. Uh, and Sokka says, "I used to be boomerang guy." Oh, so it's like heartbreaking. Yeah. So he he. I mean, it, the loss of boomerang is really like his identity. And I will say, uh, this is going to touch on a, on a, on something that we've already seen, which is is. Sokka has been raised in mm. his culture to be a warrior mm. um, because he's a male, right? And the boomerang is the emblem of Sokka as a warrior. Yeah. Now, we have also seen different versions of Sokka. Uh, I think that there's the sort of Sokka as leader, which is maybe attached to warrior, maybe not, right? That trust my instincts kind of thing. We've also seen far more successful Sokka as scientist. Right. Inventor. You know, so so I feel like there is this tension within him, you know, uh, about okay. that. So so I think so I I actually got excited when the boomerang got lost because I was like, oh, maybe this is where this is going to be this ongoing thing uh -huh. where Sokka has to wrestle with. I am maybe I'm not a warrior. Maybe I am these other things. I think this is going to keep I coming back. I like leaning into it that way yeah. with this episode. I'm now thinking about all the ways that he is now shifting towards his other identity of like being kind of a genius. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we see Katara pay for the food with a coin and the guy in the stand is like, oh, water tribe money. And he says, yeah, well, as long as it's money, like we'll, we'll accept it, you know? So, so this, we, we, we talked about currency before. So clearly there are different currencies, but there, there is trade at least among some of these nations. Mm -hmm. um, then he tells them as he's closing up shop to have a nice avatar day. And they kind of look at him quizzically, says, you guys are going to go to the festival, right? And he just like says it and walks off. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. This he's is, so excited. Yeah. And then, you know, this is, this is the second, I think it's the second like town festival we've seen yes. in this show. So we saw the Fire Nation Festival. We're going to see the Avatar Day Festival. And it could be the third if you count the fortune teller looking at the clouds as that. That is like True. a, it's not a festival in the same, but it's like a holiday. Yeah, right? an like, annual event. Right, right. So we're going to get to see another festival here. So uh, we cut to the town. So we have this sort of upbeat festival festival music playing, and we can see an uh, an overhead shot of the this village, which is this round village, uh, and it's on the cliffs above the sea. Mm -hmm. We see that the streets are decorated with green lanterns and flags. So this is an Earth Nation festival, right? Or at least for this city, right? Uh, we see Katara Saka, who's holding Momo. Um, so they're definitely drawing a connection here. And Aang, again, disguising himself, right, wearing the, the peasant hat that we talked about. Are They're walking around this bustling village. And Aang says, there's a holiday for the Avatar? Who knew? He's pretty excited. Yes, he is. Katara points out that behind, uh, behind them is a giant. And when I say giant, 
like three to four story high. Towering above the city. Yeah. Float of Kiyoshi Mm -hmm. that's getting rolled through the city. Uh, So the float is rolled into the village center, followed by a float of Roku of equal size. And Aang says, having a huge festival in your honor is great, but frankly, it's just nice to be appreciated. Oh. (laughs) And Sokka says, and it's nice to appreciate their deep fried festival food. So we've talked when we've had interviews about like the different cultures. And um, we always talk about the the food from the Fire Nation being spicy. This is the first time that it's like, okay, now there's a distinct, at least for this festival. Yes. It's very Minnesotan, actually, right? Deep like fried, fried food. Dough. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. I was I was on board with that. Yeah, it sounds delicious. It actually kind of made me hungry when I was like, oh, why, how can I get in on some of that, right? I know. These are donut people. We're going to have to decide which type of festival we would want to be in. After, at the end of the episode. Well, let's learn a little bit more yeah, about, I suppose. <laughs> about, about this festival. So then a giant float of Aang is rolled in. Because, uh, again, people know what Aang looks like, right? The, the image of the Avatar has has circulated. Um, so it's, it's, it's rolled in. And then Sokka sees that there is this uh, long-haired young, young man runs in with a torch. And he just kind of like Olympic music. You know, mm-hmm. kind of playing. And Sokka looks at him, kind of is inspecting him and says, a torch. That's a nice prop. It's bright, dangerous, smells manly, but I'm not sure I could pull it off. Right. So this is our first scene of that Sokka is looking for a new identity. Yeah. Which is actually kind of interesting that he that that it's like he's open to a new identity. He's open to to his identity being fluid. And it's like, well, if I'm not boomerang guy. I need to have a new identity now, and he associates it with an identity has props to it, right? That that the the which is interesting because for a bender, your identity is this internal thing. It's mm. this internal power you have that is a connection to the elements, and for Sokka, it's this outward outward thing. It's this yeah. external like if I have the right props, then that's who I am. Right. You know, it's also something that potentially gets defined by somebody else. His culture raised him to be a warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy, the other guy can label him ponytail guy. And it's like, well, that's, is that who I am now? Like, this is actually, I think, yeah. a, a deep, interesting picture of how Sokka is wrestling with who am I? And I also love that we just get to hear his inner monologue. Like, he just has no filters on what he's saying, which is kind of mad scientist-like to just say what's ever on your mind. Absolutely, right? Uh, so then Katara notices that the young man with the torch is using it to light the Avatar floats on fire. And the crowd starts chanting, down with the Avatar. Uh, so this is not what we thought. <laughs> Although I feel like I'd enjoy it still. <laughs> yeah, so far, it's just a big, like, imagine the heat coming off those fires. That'd be yeah. kind of nice. And again, you're eating fried dough. like A festival meant for revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the airing of grievances. Uh, so then we cut to... Uh, the streets of a small village. And we see a couple carrying barrels of food or produce. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the blue spirit swoops in and steals the barrels of food. And we just see the couple looking shocked. It's just like this quick scene. In broad daylight. Yep. So we see the the, uh, the blue spirit in action. And then in the woods, uh, we see the blue spirit carrying the stolen food. And he hides his masks in the root of a tree and then Zuko, who is the blue spirit now unmasked, uh, approaches a small rock cave. He enters and throws the food at the foot of Iroh, who's kneeling on a low chair. And it's interesting. He really just like, it's like he chucks it at him and is mm-hmm. like, there, take this. Mm-hmm. But he's giving him 
a gift and sustenance too. Like that action, there's a there. It's it's symbolic of a kind of tension that we're gonna see in this relationship uh, in this episode. And Iroh asks, "Where did you get these?" And Zuko says, "What does it matter where they came from?" And we see Iroh kind of looking at him, concerned. And then he takes a bite of his uh, of the pastry, and his disapproving kind of hmm from Zuko turns into a hmm as he <laughs> eats the pastry, like jelly is dripping down his face. He's like, oh, perks of this, yeah, I guess. So, so sort of the the Epicurean version of Iroh is like, <laughs> well, you know, this is this is pretty good. Um, from there, we cut back to the crowd at the festival, ch- chanting down with the Avatar. Uh, the floats of Roku and Kyoshi are in flames. Kyoshi, sorry. Uh, the leader signals to the young man with the torch, and he hurls it into the face of the Aang float, igniting it. So now Aang is looking at this, again, gigantic image of himself inflamed as the crowd is cheering. At this point, Kataro runs in. Um, and she starts to bend water that's in these huge pots. Now, why are these, these huge pots of water? I guess to maybe in case, so that to make sure that the flames don't get out of control. True, yes, right? true. They're conveniently there, and she puts out the fire. And we see the crowd yelling at her, that party pooper's ruining our avatar day. And Aang flies up onto the shoulder of the Aang float, which is this interesting image of Aang standing on giant Aang. Mm-hmm. And he says, that party pooper is my friend. I, I like that line a lot. <laughs> There's some good lines. And at this point, he throws off his hat. Right. To reveal that he is the avatar, right? That they can see his tattoos. I just love that the crowd doesn't react at him literally flying on top of this right. multi-story Aang. But instead, it's like, oh, he took off his hat. Yes, he looks exactly like the float. <laughs> <laughs> but except for he's wearing a hat. So, you know, that the it obviously can't be him. So he's, then we hear the crowd saying, it's the avatar himself. He's going to kill us with his awesome avatar powers. <laughs> Uh, and Aang tries to raise his hand to sort of assuage their fears and a man in the crowd starts to just freak out like he's like the raising of the hand is going to be is this like active aggression like screaming <laughs> yes uh, so then we see the town leader who we're going to learn is the mayor of the town says I suggest you leave you're not welcome here Avatar and Katara says why not Aang helps people Aang says it's true I'm on your side here we see the mayor say I find that hard to swallow, considering what you did to us in your past life. It was Avatar Kiyoshi. She murdered our glorious leader, Chin the Great. And at this, we see Aang really distressed by this accusation of murder. And I'm interested in the idea Mm. that, like, Aang accepts this. He accepts that it's like, you know what? I maybe do bear the responsibility for my actions even in past lives. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even question it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that hadn't occurred to me because Aang's the only person who's tied, tapped into this sort of reincarnation notion because nothing else in this world leads us to think that other people are reincarnated beyond the Avatar. Right. You know, so like, so he, this is unique to him, but I found it really interesting that, that he sort of says that instead of just like saying, well, that wasn't me, he's like, well. Yeah, the sense is really that is me, right? He takes the responsibility, which which makes me think about the all that sort of uh, in the Southern Air Temple, the the sanctuary with all those different avatars. Then it's like think of all of the weight that is on Aang. Yeah, you know, we're talking about one incident in this episode, but there are hundreds of past selves that are unbelievably powerful and, yeah. and what are the things that they did and what are the consequences of the things that they I mean, did? He's not, it's not the first time he's been met with like a previous him, 
a previous avatar that he's had to like take responsibility for because when he was with um in the spirit world um ko said like oh in a previous life he tried to attack me mm-hmm. and again ang just accepted it and he said why did he or i do that so so i think that's really i think that that's really interesting um and we see one of the townspeople say, we used to be a great society before you killed our leader. And now look at us. <laughs> and we see a zoom into what I'm going to call a cr- kind of a crazy boomy like old man. <laughs> like he, yes. he sort of has like the weird teeth and the weird eyes. It's very, it's reminiscent of boomy in that way. Um, you know, when's that supposed to be a joke? It's like, like I would be handsome if not for the actions of this avatar 300 <laughs> years ago. Yep. So it's a, it's a pretty good visual joke. Um, Katara says Aang would never do something like that no Avatar would it's not fair for you to question his honor and the man, another man in the crowd says let's tell her what we think of the Avatar's honor and he turns around sticks out his butt and farts at her <laughs> and the crowd goes wild okay this is one of the moments I just can't Sam I just fart humor right. I can't again uh, imagine <laughs> Eight, nine-year-old little boys, though. Right. You know? I know. I know this is their thing. It's probably better that I don't like it. Right. But I will say, though, what's interesting about this scene is that this is a view of the Avatar we haven't seen yet. We've seen sort of the, where have you been? You've abandoned us. Mm-hmm. But this is like an older grievance than that. This isn't about Aang going into the iceberg. Yeah. This is a group of people who have this negative deeply negative view of the avatar i mean i I found it really interesting Mm -hmm. uh, you know in that way Mm -hmm. and then ang says give me a chance to clear my name the mayor says the only way to prove your innocence is to stand trial which got me excited because i am a sucker for a courtroom drama and i'm like am i gonna get a courtroom drama in avatar yes um he says but you'll have to follow all our rules that includes paying bail and ang says no problem uh, and then we see Aang put into stocks. And this is also going to be a really funny joke because every time you see Aang in the stocks, it's clear that not only his hands, but his head can just slip right out of them. Oh, yeah. Which is, again, it's a joke, but it's also symbolic of the fact that Aang is taking this seriously. Yeah, he's willing to sit in there. He could totally get out yeah. if he wanted his to. His prison is outdoors and he can fly. <laughs> yes. So so I think, you know, so I think that it's it's both a funny joke, but it's also like emblematic of... Aang not blowing this off. So then mm-hmm. we cut to Aang in jail with Katara and Sokka visiting. I love this visual because as we said, the cell is outdoors and Aang is looking in to Katara and Sokka who are indoors to talk with him, which is this like weird inversion of the prison. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's just a visual thing, but I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Aang says, how am I supposed, how was I supposed to know they wouldn't take water tribe money? <laughs> so he's like, this is why he's actually imprisoned. I liked that they had that tied in with the beginning. They yep. needed both, yep. both those lines. I actually think this, I think this story has a lot of circular jokes like that. Yes. So I, and I think O'Brien did well on this one. Um, I love that. John O'Brien. <laughs> I just love <laughs> I our know. obsession with his. Um, okay. Uh, so... Sokka says, so some people don't like you. Big deal. There's a whole nation of firebenders who hate you. Now let's bust you out of here. I so resonate with Aang not wanting anyone to think that anyone doesn't mm-hmm. like me. You know what I mean? Right. I th- I feel like that's a personality trait. Maybe like a people pleaser mm-hmm. to be like, if somebody out there for some reason doesn't like me and I don't know why, 
I need to make that right. Well, and especially I think he has that, but then also add to it that your destiny is to keep balance in the world. And balance in the world means you really probably can't have flat out enemies, Right. right? Like because you need to bring balance, which means you probably can't. Be enemies with everyone, and maybe you can't be friends with anyone. Yeah, I mean that's that's the the thing, and that's maybe a thing this show is going to push us towards. Is like, can he can the Avatar have close friends? Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, and we joke about anxious Aang, but boy probably has anxiety disorder. Like he should be on Zoloft. Absolutely, like, <laughs> absolutely. I'm getting my medications. <laughs> um, so then Katara says, "You're supposed to be out saving the world. You can't do that locked up here." And Aang says. But I can't do it with people thinking I'm a murderer either. You uh, you guys need to help me prove my innocence. Uh, Sokka says, how are we going to do that? The crime happened over 300 years ago. <laughs> and then Aang says, that's okay, Sokka. For some reason, I thought you were supposed to be an expert detective. Which well is, played. <laughs> right, which is funny because it's like, why would he ever think that? But then you realize <laughs> like, oh, he's trying to like... He, he's, he knows Sokka well. He knows how to sort of play off him. Mm-hmm. So Sokka's like, well, I guess I could be classified as such. <laughs> and then Katara, who is always good at picking up on Aang's ad-libs, just like at uh, Adomashu, Katara says, yeah, back home, he was famous for solving the mystery of the missing seal jerky. <laughs> and then we see Sokka start to pontificate. Everyone wanted to blame it on a polar leopard, but I figured out it was old man Jarko wearing polar leopard boots. We see Katara just her head in her hands and she sort of single uh, and signals, excuse me, Aang signals to Katara, you know, while Sokka's sort of yammering on. And he says, um, see, an 800 pound polar leopard would have left much deeper tracks. Okay, I guess I'm pretty good, but I'm going to need some props. Yes. And this New is, identity. This is a great. This is great because yeah, we are we are seeing him literally trying on identities. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's somebody who maybe doesn't have his identity thrust upon him anymore with the loss of the boomerang. So, what are the things? What are the props that he uses? Uh it's a, there's a hat. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, there's got to be a name for this kind of. I hat. did like, a little I've work seen them on before. that. Okay, I did a little work on that, and it's I couldn't find it. It's weird because it has like a weird peak in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has these like f- flaps, wings on yeah. either side. So, okay, I, you haven't seen Mulan, right? No. Okay, a character in Mulan wears that same hat, and that's the character who's also the voice of Mayor Tom. Tom. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Huh. I thought it was like like a um uh a weird inversion or like play on like the Sherlock Holmes hat. That's what I think it's meant to be, right? Like um does he he doesn't have a spyglass, does he? Sherlock Oh, well Sherlock Holmes would have like a magnifying glass yeah, yeah, he yeah. holds, right? That would be like a typical detective thing, but what but Sokka instead has attached to the hat. It's almost like a jeweler's scope. That's right. You know, and that's his magnifying glass and you know, so so this is the first prop that we see, uh, you know, yeah. for Sokka as the uh Master detective. And where you love a good courtroom drama, I love a good Sherlock Holmes mystery. And we're going to get a little bit of that mm-hmm. here. Um, so <laughs> then we, uh, fr- from this joke, we cut to um, an, uh, an Earth Nation wagon being pulled by an ostrich horse and it's sort of being pulled through the woods. And inside, we cut to inside and we see a rich man with a, je- with a chest of gold coins you know, see, being pulled here. We see so many chests of gold coins yeah. in this series. <laughs> 
Um, and I will say, when I saw this, the thing that jumped into my mind was, I have seen this before. This is the 1970s Disney's Robin Hood. So I knew, like, oh, the Blue Spirit is going to be a little Robin Hoodie here. Sort of. I don't know that kind he's of. <laughs> robbing from the rich to give to the poor if Iroh counts as the poor. <laughs> yeah, it's just robbing from the rich to give to Iroh. I'm, but you know what? I'm on board with that. I, I think. love Iroh, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah, right? so there's this disturbance outside the wagon, which causes it to stop. And we see the rich man look around nervously. And all of a sudden, the roof of the wagon is sliced open. And we see the blue spirit peering down. He takes the chest of gold coins and then just disappears. Yeah. Yeah, so we're seeing we're seeing more and more of the blue spirit in action. Um, it makes me wonder, uh, the blue spirit, I don't think was invented to save Aang. I mean, this is, cl- I think this is a, a pre-existing alter ego for Zuko. So like, I wonder what else the blue spirit has done. Has it, is it more like the one who went to rescue Aang or is it more like this sort of using it as a means to get what they want? Right. I also want, mm, I feel like he is so close to being a Robin Hood like character. Mm-hmm. But goes too far. Well, and he could still get there. Yeah. You know, like, True. like, don't you want to see him take those gold coins and bring it to the village where Song and her mother is? Oh, right. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, to be like, sorry, I took your ostrich horse. Right. Here's right. a chest of gold. <laughs> right. I don't know that he's there yet. Uh, <laughs> so then we go back to the Avatar Day village, which we're going to learn is called uh, Chin Village. Uh, Katara, Sokka, and the mayor are at the temple... Uh, which is on a point that juts out from the cliff over the sea. He brought them to the crime scene. That's right. Uh, so we see Sokka kind of pattering around, inspecting things with his eyeglass. And the mayor says, this put- footprint is of the killer, Kayoshi. Uh, it was sunset 370 years ago today. She emerged from the temple and struck down Chin the Great. Well, well-preserved footprint, yes. I must say. Yes, and it's important to note that it's a very small footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, after that tragic day, we built this statue to immortalize our great leader. Feel free to appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, the mayor is a good character, too. He's very funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we see Sokka inspecting the statue closely. And then he runs over to the temple and looks at the temple. And he says... Uh, this temple and this statue were cut from the same stone. And we know that the statue was built after Chin died. So then we see Katara say, uh, so if they were built at the same time, that means, (laughs) and here we see Sokka, like something he's going to do multiple times this episode, sort of bully over Katara and say, I want to solve it. (laughs) Um, And he says, that means... Uh, Kiyoshi never set foot in this temple. Katara says, that's a big hole in the mayor's story, but it's not enough to prove Aang's innocence. So then we see Sokka start blowing on this wooden dragon pipe and like <laughs> just, bubbles are coming out. He just has. Yeah. Uh, and he says, you're right. We need to go to Kiyoshi Island. And Katara asks him, where did you get that? Like, <laughs> So he has this other prop that kind of comes out of nowhere. So... Um, is part of what you don't like about this episode also Sokka kind of bullying Katara? Or... No, I think that's funny. Okay. I, I think that plays really well. It's, not, it's like sibling rivalry. Right. And what's also interesting here, though, is you would assume the way that, the sh- that, that a story like this works and a scene like this works is that they were kind of humoring Sokka with his like, oh, you're a great detective. But it's important to note 
Sokka's actually the one who discovered yeah. the thing. So in some ways, it's like, it's his, like, let him finish. He's about to say the thing. So Katara really does jump on his point at this this time. Yeah. You know, so, so but it's interesting that we actually, I thought, I really thought the way the comedy is supposed to work, this story is supposed to work, is that Katara, in sort of in Scooby-Doo-like fashion, Katara keeps finding things, but Sokka keeps getting the credit. But not what ha- it's not at all what happens. He yeah. actually seems to be a, a good detective, right? Exactly. Which uh, which was a surprise to me. Did you think that he had ulterior motives for trying to go to Kyoshi Island? Uh, I think there's somebody think, there he might want to see. Yeah. But it also is a place they might need to go. They might need to learn more. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Aang in prison, and he's in the stocks and in open in the open air. And we see uh, a sort of hybrid rat elephant <laughs> or anteater or something, something. With, a, with a long nose, sort of run by with an acorn. Um, and one of the prisoners starts talking to Aang sort of from the shadows. And then we hear this voice say, you got a bald head, some nice tattoos. And we see this man emerge from the shadows who is also bald with tattoos all over his body. Uh, and he sort of yells and lunges at Aang. But he has a chain around his neck that stops him from getting all the way to Aang. And he says, you're going to fit in real well around here in a very menacing way. Yep. Yeah. It's sort of so it's sort of this, you know, scary view of being imprisoned and the people you're imprisoned with. Mm-hmm. Right. So then we cut to this flyover shot of Kiyoshi Island. We see Appa uh, fly in and land in front of the Kiyoshi statue. And the villagers rush out to see them. Remember, this is the place that loved the Avatar. Yes. And where uh, we saw that one man freak out in fear. Now we see another man in the crowd stumble out in front of Appa and freak out in just yeah, excitement. Like his his he's foaming at the mouth and Literally. then he faints. And it's funny because last time we were here, we got sort of a hard day's night Beatlemania thing where it's all these little girls. And this is clearly like an adult man. Yes. Who's, Freaking out at the prospect of seeing the Avatar. And then we see the little girl from um, the previous episode at Kiyoshi. And we see her saying, where's Angie? <laughs> I forgot about that nickname. Right. And Katara says, he couldn't be here, Coco. <laughs> she doesn't explain anymore. Just that he couldn't be. She explain he's in prison or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, and then we see the townsfolk all look disappointed. And the guy that had fainted, he gets back up, looks around, wipes the foam from his mouth. Covers his head and just slinks away in shame. And then everybody else walks away. Like, it is a drawn out scene. Yes. (laughs) They labor that. But it is sort of like, it is interesting because there's this this big greeting and it's like, it's for Aang and Aang's not here. So, these folks, not as special. Um, (laughs) But we do see the leader of Kiyoshi, uh, uh, Ayaji, he approaches Katara and Sokka. And Katara tells them about Aang being uh, in jail in Shin for murdering their leader in a past life. Sokka says, they say it was Kiyoshi. And um, Oyaji says, Kiyoshi, that's crazy talk. I'll take you to her shrine. Maybe something there will help you clear her name. So then we see them walking to the shrine. uh, And this is a scene I know you're excited about. I am. Uh, Sokka asks about Suki. Well, you know, mm-hmm. the sort of leader of the Kiyoshi warriors and presumably his first kiss. Yeah. Um, Other than Grand Grand. That's right. Uh, and uh, he asks if she's around. And Ayaji says, actually, she and the other warriors left to fight in the war. You kids had a big impact on Suki. She said you inspired her, that she wanted to help change the world. Which is both inspiring, but you can tell that Sokka's disappointed. Right. It's bittersweet. 
Yeah. Like I as a viewer, I was like, I really wish she was in this episode, but Yeah, I will say as a as a Sakasuki shipper, <laughs> like I, I was disappointed, but I, it also excites me because it means I was, you know, I was afraid we we're never going to see her again. It's like, no, we she's definitely like a character now. Another thing it points to, and this is a small piece, but when we were at Kiyoshi back in episode three? Yeah, early. I, yeah, uh, three or four. I, I had made the comment, oh, they're collecting allies throughout, right? Mm-hmm. And notice now, Kiyoshi Island, the wars of Kiyoshi, who were neutral. They didn't want to be involved in this war and hadn't been involved in this war for this hundred years. They're now fighting. Yeah. And, right? And, so those allies are real. And Aang doesn't need to be there even for them to be like, yes, let's take a take you to our sacred places. We'll try to help clear his name. Exactly. Exactly. So so I think that's really, it's really interesting that the world is changing, even though we're not always there to see it. Uh, so they approach the temple. Uh, Oyaji says, uh, this temple was converted into a shrine to Kiyoshi. Some clerics tell us that these relics are still connected to her spirit. That's her kimono. And we see Katara start to walk over to it and touch. And he says, please don't touch. Sokka starts to touch the fans, and we see Katara look at uh, Kiyoshi's boots. And she says, her feet must have been enormous. And then we see Momo <laughs> pop out of the boots. So Momo's allowed to touch them. Right. Clearly <laughs> run around in them. Um, Oyaji says, the biggest of any avatar. With such pride. Yeah. It's like our, our avatar had the biggest feet <laughs> of any of them. Um, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Um, Katara, Katara starts to put it all together. She says, wait a minute. Big feet, small footprints. There's no way that... And here we see Sokka interrupt her again. Now, this time he's interrupting a point she's discovered. So uh, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, and Sokka says, special outfit, hat and pipe. These things mean anything to you? <laughs> and, you know, and he says... Uh, What's interesting about that is, like, he's really trying to own this identity, but he's like, if if, the, if you get to be a waterbender, you don't also get to have my identity, right. too. You don't also get to be the one who's the detective. Right. Even though she's pointing out something she discovered and he hasn't. Um, so, at, at any rate, he sort of picks up where, where she had been talking. So, he says, there's no way Kiyoshi could have made a uh, footprint that small. Therefore... There's nothing linking her to the crime scene. Katara sort of rolls her eyes at Sokka's theatrics because he's like really playing up this discovery that oh, apparently he made. Pacing the room, yes. pointing at objects. Uh, and she's just like, brilliant, Sokka. Great, great. <laughs> um, so then we cut to the jail, cut back to Aang in jail uh, at dusk. And we see him sitting around in a circle talking with three other pis- prisoners. All who look big and scary. Yes, especially compared to 12-year-old Aang. I mean, they look like dudes are in prison, right? Yeah. Um, And we see the bald one we met before. He says, the girl you've been talking about, she'll come around. You just got to hang in there. (laughs) And we see Aang finally pull his head and hands out of the stocks very easily. He says, do you think so? And the other prisoners say, sure, yeah, you're a catch. (laughs) Hey, you're smart, handsome, funny. Not to mention you're the avatar. Then we see the another one say, don't be afraid to tell her all you, how you feel as he wipes away a tear. Such a good scene. <laughs> yes, because it's the exact, because he, he said, you know, you're going to fit around real well. You're going to fit in real well around here. And he's like, yeah, because there are all these like sensitive people in prison talking yes. about love. <laughs> <laughs> it 
It's so good. Well done, Mr. O'Brien. Yeah. It's funny. Honestly, it's... one of the top scenes so far for me of the whole series. Yeah. It's so funny. I love it. Uh, so then we go back to the uh, Kiyoshi Shrine. And we see Oaji sa- uh, is pointing them to this painting. He says, this piece is called The Birth of Kiyoshi. It was painted at sunrise on this day. On, excuse me, on the day this island was founded. Why, it was today, in fact, 370 years ago. And we see Sokka do a literal spit take at this point. I don't know. Was he drinking something that he could have done a spit take? Did he inhale from bubble, bubble soap from the pipe that he did a spit right. take with? Uh, but he says, 370 years. Wait, are you sure it was today? And Iyaji says, well, seeing how today is Kiyoshi Day, so it's both Avatar Day and Kiyoshi Day. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sure. So we see Sokka blowing on his pipe and examining the painting. And he says, this ceremony didn't take place at sunrise. It took place at sunset. Look at the shadows. Smart. And Katara says, they point east. So the sun must have been in the west. And she starts to explain. But Sokka, again, this time literally pushes her away. Throws her to the ground. (laughs) uh, And says, if Kiyoshi was in the ceremony at sunset then she couldn't have been in Chin committing the crime. She has an alibi. And he sort of points the, the the pipe kind of towards the camera. And then we see Katara's arm reach up, grab the pipe, and <laughs> clock him on the head. Kind of deserved. <laughs> Absolutely deserved. <laughs> but again, Sokka's good at this detective stuff. Yeah. You know, like we don't always give him credit. You know, I think losing that boomerang is sort of, Meaning he needs to sort of stretch his abilities in other places. And we're seeing this is a version of scientific Sokka. Yeah. And he's really, really good at it. Less worried about being manly, too. Absolutely, right? Uh, So then we cut to uh, Katara talking with Sokka and the mayor in front of Aang's prison cell. Uh, Katara says, Honorable Mayor, we've prepared a solid defense for the Avatar. We did an investigation and found some really strong evidence. The mayor sort of laughs. Evidence? Ha! That's not how our court system works. Aang says, well, then how do I prove my innocence? The mayor says, simple. I say what happened, and then you say what happened, and then I decide who's right. That's why we call it justice, because it's just us. And he walks away sort of laughing maniacally. So I know this is, that's a corny, like, dad humor joke, and it's a kid's show, but I do think that's really and sort of interesting moment. I'm curious what you thought about that moment. Cause I think like, wow, it is pointing to like the subjectivity of the notion of justice and truth. Yeah. 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 Be, I, I will say the first time I watched it, I was just too focused on the joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I think it's interesting to think about, especially because we go from town to town and each town kind of has its own kind of government structure each town has its own rules and its own festivals and days i wonder if that's something that runs kind of through a lot of these cities is this idea that like we get to decide what our past is right um we see that in the great divide exactly no and i think you know that that actually i see there's a connection to the great divide and not in a negative way but i mean this is this is going to be a thing where we're going to think about history in a couple different ways also both john o'brien episodes right yeah yeah so he's interested in these things Mm -hmm. um so from here we cut to the trial finally we get the trial (laughs) Uh, and it's held at the chin temple we see in the background we see ang in stocks with a guard and we see the mayor sort of in the foreground now 
this is serendipitously very interesting because yesterday morning I watched, or yesterday afternoon, I watched a movie for video store that we're going to be, the episode's going to be coming out on January uh, 17th. Mm. So not this, not tomorrow, but in two weeks or a week and a half, whatever. Um, I watched a movie called Rashomon. Have you ever seen Rashomon? No, I haven't. I think I talked about this in the Great Divide episode, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and... Which is interesting because I watched that thinking, oh, you know, this they could have done that more like Rashomon, although it has some elements to that. And so I was wondering about John O'Brien and Rashomon. Now, I just watched Rashomon for Video Store yesterday. Among other things, the film Rashomon has uh, – it's a, a Japanese film. It has a trial scene. And the trial scene is shot as such. There – Every person giving their testimony is speaking, is at the center of the frame, speaking directly to camera, assuming there are these people behind it, but you don't see them. And there are at times these characters sitting in the background. So we see in in, in Rashomon, it's the, the priest and the woodcutter are sitting in the background the whole time. Here we see Aang in the background. And in the foreground, we have the... Um, we have the mayor giving his testimony. And then we're going to see Aang in this same position later. So it's like, oh, this is even framed oh, like Rashomon. Okay. And there's going to be more Rashomon connections. So I'm going to come back to this. We need to write to John O'Brien. Yeah. Like- I, I do follow him on Twitter. We could. <laughs> I, I'm sort of building up the uh, the gumption to, to email him questions about this. But it was, it was to me, it was fascinating that this really was um, uh, kind of set up to even look like the trial scene in Rashomon. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel like that has to be intentional because Rashomon is a story about the subjectivity of trials, evidence, truth, testimony, mm-hmm. witnesses. So uh, uh, this, if it wasn't going through his head in the Great Divide, it had to be here. Yeah. It had to be just or, – or the people who, who framed the way this was going to look realized, oh, there's some Rashomon elements here. Um, so we see the mayor talking. He's making a statement to the people of the village. He says, everyone loved Chin the Great because he was so great. <laughs> then the Avatar showed up and killed him. That's how it happened. He's just like mic drop. Yep. Yep. But he's giving his testimony as to what happened. Um, so then we see Aang give his version of the story. And he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to tell you what really happened. And I'll prove it all with facts. Fact number one. And his mind starts to go blank. Now, this is interesting because as viewers, we're really tuned into the facts and the realities of this because we've been with Sokka and Katara building this case. Aang hasn't been. Aang's been chatting with the prisoners about love. Right. So he's less, I mean, he's maybe, he's never seen some of this evidence, most of it, right? So he's just, and it's sort of like when you tell a kid, little kid something and it's like, yeah, I got it. It's like, well, do you really have it? Because like you have to convey this message. Uh, we see that Aang is is not great at this. So his mind draws a blank and we see Sokka, Sokka whisper, the footprints. And Aang's like, oh yeah, see I have very large feet, and it pans, pans down to Aang's tiny feet. <laughs> Furthermore, your temple matches your statue, uh, but I was in a painting at sunset, so there you have it. I'm not guilty. And Sokka and Katara, <laughs> they try to look at each other encouragingly and then whisper, he's dead. <laughs> right. This is another part that I initially was frustrated by, that Aang... He's always been a smooth talker, so it felt out of – even though you were saying, you know, like if you tell th- these intense details to somebody and they don't have enough time to prep, like it's hard to mm-hmm. reiterate that. 
but it felt like it wasn't in his character to not be smooth. Well, especially somebody who's taking so seriously this need to defend himself. Right. I will grant you that. It's like he took it flippantly or something. But it might, I mean, I, I think as we learn through the rest of the trial, it might be more about who he is as the avatar that he couldn't really mm-hmm. say those things that he doesn't know for sure to be true. Now, I, I this may not be intentional, but I found it very interesting as I was reviewing this episode what is the thing that, that Sok and, Kis- and Katara say to each other? He's dead. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting to think like, yes, he's dead. The vert, seeing where this is going to go, it's also like could be viewed as this aha moment. Oh, he's dead. Like like the version of him that was here that could actually speak to this is dead. Ah. Uh. I don't know that that's meant to be there, I but like I was it. like, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> As I was looking back. Uh, so here we cut away from the trial to Zuko uh, and Iroh in their cave. And it's now full of stuff. There's barrels of food. There's a pig on a spit, a fancy tea set. This also felt like a callback to when Momo brought all those objects to yes. the gang. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is, is Zuko is like trying to say i can build back this life that we had yeah and, and he's and he's doing it for iroh as if like as if there's this kind of guilt like maybe i've lost you the type of life you had because we know that that iroh really is kind of epicurean to a certain degree right mm-hmm. um and actually, probably literally, if we think about the philosopher Epicurus, he is a lot like Epicurus because Epicurus would say, you know, that you that the purpose of life is to seek pleasure, but pleasure is found in avoiding pain. Mm. Um, uh, and and there is a degree to which I, so 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 Epicurus is not necessarily a hedonist, right? But it's about how do we how do we try to find pleasure in life, right? Um, in this existence, and Zuko is like projecting his version of that on, which is. All of this tea set because he knows his uncle loves tea and all this food because he knows his uncle, you know, like way more food than they need. (laughs) Right, right. And Uh, even the tea set, I mean, which Iroh talks about, but it's so fancy and it's not necessary. Right. So Iroh says, it looks like you did some serious shopping, but where did you get the money? Zuko says, doesn't answer and says, well, do you like your new teapot? And Iroh says, to be honest with you, the best tea tastes delicious, whether it comes from a porcelain pot or a tin cup. I know we've had some difficult times lately. We've had to struggle just to get by, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. There is a simple honor in poverty. Uh, Zuko mentioned before that he has to struggle to get by, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. To Aang, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, And Zuko says, there's no honor for me without the Avatar. So here we see him still circling back to like the avatar is the key to honor, right? Mm-hmm. His hope for the re- restoration of his honor lands with that. And Iroh says, Zuko, even if you did capture the avatar, I'm not sure it would solve our problems. Not now. So Iroh's pointing to sort of saying that quest you were on before, I don't know that that actually is an answer to anything. Mm, you know, it won't get you honor or anything else. It won't get you your kingdom. All those things that he sort of Shakespearean likes to likes to you know, kind of stare at the horizon and say, my kingdom, my throne, my honor. He's like, those things, capturing Aang's not necessarily going to bring that back. Mm-hmm. So which Zuko responds, then there's no hope at all. Now we should just pay attention to every time the word hope is said in this show, right? Because Aang brings hope Mm-hmm. Ang is the, is hope for the people of the Southern Water Tribe. Ang is hope for the people in um, imprisoned. 
um, Aang is hope for Zuko. Yep. And so he says, well, then there's no hope at all. And Iroh says, no, Zuko, you must never give in to despair. Allow yourself to slip down that road and you surrender to your lowest instincts. In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. And then we see Zuko walk away and say nothing. That seemed like just... So good. Yeah. And so like heavy mission statement for Zuko, heavy mission statement for everyone in this show because... We keep hearing Aang is hope, Aang is hope, Aang is hope. But maybe the message, the ultimate message here is that you don't look externally for those things. Mm -hmm. Because unless you're Aang, to say Aang is hope is to look externally for hope. And Iroh's saying uh, the meaning of inner strength is finding hope in yourself, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really interesting. And it's interesting that at the same time that we're thinking about external and internal, right? We're thinking about identity with, with Sokka. And Sokka is, is is identity this external thing? Is it this internal thing? So mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's really fascinating to think about. Um, but yeah, I think that's a mission statement to hold on to. I've been oh. tracking hope this whole time. And this is, uh, Iroh is now shifting this understanding. Because I think it was even Iroh who said the presence of the Avatar gives you hope. Right. You know, to Zuko. So it's really interesting that he's saying, well, no, no, this is about you. And this is about this having this inner strength. Right. They kind of swapped language, mm-hmm. both of them. Absolutely. Right. So now we cut back to the trial uh, in Chin and we see a Katara now addressing the crowd in the, uh, you know, in the, in the trial. And she says, Mayor Tom, I'd like for the court to hear one last testimony. The mayor says, I've already told you, it's just me and the accused. You can't call any witnesses. Katara says, this isn't just any witness. I'm going to call Avatar Kiyoshi herself. And with this, the crowd murmurs. And we see Aang walk out wearing Kiyoshi's relics from the shrine. And Kiyoshi had big feet. She is a tall lady. He is like swamped in her clothes. Yes, yes. And it's, it's, it's whoever funny. did the makeup did a great job. <clears throat> oh, he looks great. Yeah. But the like, yeah, the the clothes, all that stuff, you know, and it's it's, it's really well done. It's it's, it's a it's only really great image of Aang trying to embody uh, Kiyoshi. <clears throat> and we see Sokka say to Katara, what are you doing? And she says, well, she's Aang's past life. Maybe wearing her stuff will trigger something because the at the temple, they said, you know, these relics are still connected to yeah, her spirit. But right? even she doesn't really know mm. if that's like she doesn't really believe that that'll happen. Anyway. Right. It's, it's a shot in the dark, though. But it also sort of reminds me of in a great trial, um, a great like uh, trial courtroom drama. There's always the moment where it's like, well, we've got nothing to lose. Let's yes. put Colonel Jessup on the stand and see if we can get him to admit that he ordered the code red or whatever, <laughs> you know, like this is their version of that. It's like, well, we got nothing to lose. This is our, our last ditch effort uh, to win this. Um, and we see the mayor jump up and say, this is a mockery of chin law. Katara begs him to wait. And we see Aang sort of start talking this high-pitched voice. Hey, everybody, Avatar Kyoshi here. <laughs> the mayor says, this is ridiculous. For the murder of Chin, the great, the court finds the Avatar. And all of a sudden we see this huge sort of pillar of air and earth swirling where Aang had been standing. Uh, and the sky starts to go dark. And Kyoshi appears where Aang had been. 
And so now we see Kiyoshi giving her testimony. And she says, I killed Chin the Conqueror. And she's got a great... Kiyoshi may be my favorite Avatar character. Yeah? I love Kiyoshi. Nice. She says, um, I killed Chin the Conqueror, a horrible tyrant. Chin was expanding his army to all corners of the continent. When they came to the neck of the peninsula where we lived, he demanded our immediate surrender. I warned him that I would not sit passively while he took our home, but he did not back down. On that day, we split from the mainland. So we see uh, Kiyoshi earthbend, firebend, airbend, and maybe even waterbend Mm -hmm. the peninsula away to separate it from the land of Chin uh, and that, that Chin and his armies were standing on. And we see Chin scream and the piece of rock that he's standing on crumbles into the sea and he crumbles with it. He, she, uh, she continues, I created Kiyoshi Island so that my people could be safe from invaders. Then we see the dark shadow blocking the sun sort of recess and we see Aang again standing at the trial and he's faint. Great, great scene. Okay, first off, do you recognize that voice? It's the voice of June, too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, she's got a great voice. That's interesting. Yeah, like I didn't. Deep I didn't, and strong. I didn't recognize that at all. Yeah. Um, she didn't actually kill him. Really? Like she did. Like what she did caused him to die. But it feels like a gray area. Oh, can I tell you something about the movie Rashomon? Oh yeah, yeah. So. Every, so we all these people give their testimony about this this death, and they all admit to being responsible for the death, but they also are like, but they're explaining how it came about, right? So we're getting these different people explaining this. Another interesting thing about Rashomon, one of the people who testifies is dead and testifies through a medium. This is just like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So clearly this is like, oh, we want I want to pick up pieces from that. So so when I saw when I went through this again this morning having rewatched Rashomon yesterday, I'd forgotten about the medium and I and I and when I was uh, looking at this episode again, I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is like the medium in Rashomon like saying even the dead are going to testify at this trial." That's so cool. Yeah, it's really really interesting. You need to write um, to John O'Brien. Yes. Please. Please. Uh, so, other things from this revela- from this testimony or revelation that jump out at you. I mean, the big one for me was that she didn't actually. I mean, she did. It's it's a gray area, right? Like, she, I, I'm not sure that she actually killed him, which maybe. Maybe Aang appreciates that right. fact, knowing who Aang is. Although and... he doesn't hear it clearly, because when he comes out, he asks what happened. True. Like when he's taken on Roku's form yeah. in the past. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess another thing that he took on another Avatar's form, and yes. it wasn't just the one immediately before him, but a couple cycles right. um, before. Absolutely. So like, ooh, I want him to do it again, but yeah. with someone else. Two other things that I noticed okay. um, that were interesting is uh, we see this the origin story of Kiyoshi and it explains why they haven't been in the war they've separated themselves uh, okay because yeah. I always sort of wondered like wait there are these powerful ones like what is the reason and that pays off this much later and like yeah that's why mm. because she was like no we are not part of this we're not part of this earth kingdom stuff yeah right because I also another thing I found really interesting is that Chin the Great as she says was this great tyrant yeah. Right. And 
how much does he not look like the Fire Nation? <laughs> like they have this map, this Sauron-like map of him like sweeping through yeah. this whole kingdom, taking over, building this empire, which makes me think of like the longer sweep of history. Yeah. And yeah, in a previous Avatar cycle, it wasn't the Fire Nation that was the tyrant. Right. Yeah. Right. So so that's why they, they're Earth Kingdom people, but they seem separated from the Earth Kingdom and the concerns of the Earth Kingdom, which if that's a united people in some way, they're not part of it. That's why. That's why it's also interesting that Suki has gone to fight. Yeah. That they have they finally joined this. This nearly 400-year-old tension is now being addressed. I thought that's really interesting. I'm curious too, though, if, if that is like the ideal, like... Mm. The way the neutral stance of Kiyoshi, if that's like what avatars want. I don't know. You know? Whether they want that or not, it's what they've done. Right. You know? So I thought that was really interesting. I also just, just this whole idea of like, again, you know, we always talk about how history is is written by the victors. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's like, so we could look at Chin like the people of Chin do and like, oh, he was this great leader who was you know, taken down by the avatar, or we could look at it and say, well, actually Chin is this great tyrant, right? And and mm-hmm. it's like, well, these movements, whether they're revolutions, whether they're resistances, whether they're the rise of these totalitarian states, right? They look different from the people in them and the people outside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, another video store connection. The episode that's coming out on Sunday, we watched this 1972 uh, Werner Herzog movie called Agira, the wrath of God. And Barrett and I have this same conversation about, because <laughs> there is this sort of revolution that happens in there. And it's, that one is, is um, led by a kind of maniac of a person. But it's also interesting how much parts of it is like, oh, they write a declaration of independence, just like the U.S. De- so like, it, it makes you ask some questions about, well, does does it get determined by how successful something is? Mm-hmm. Like, does that get to decide sort of who these people were? So, yeah. So all I'm saying is you should listen to Video Store, too, because there are <laughs> connections here. But actually, this is, again, this is where I'm starting to get at. I think this episode's kind of interesting. Like, yeah. I think there's some big, interesting questions. It's like the the good parts of the Great Divide we, we see kind of echoed in here, talking about history and memory. Mm-hmm. But but done much Without more. Without the dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, so, you know, you had mentioned that that in later seasons that they sort of address the Great Divide. And, and I'm sure there will be ones where they do it more directly. But this one, it like it, it sort of is like O'Brien took a second shot at it and said, well, let me get it with some of the ideas I was really interested in. Yeah. But let me do it better. Mm-hmm. I think this is way better than the Great Divide in terms mm-hmm. of that. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, wow, where were we? Uh, Aang, so Aang comes <laughs> out of this and asks what happened. And Katara says, uh, you kind of confessed. Sorry. <laughs> Again, Katara's sort of throwing Kyoshi under the bus there, too. She's not <laughs> defending that story very well. Uh, now, to be fair, we see this image of the of Chin falling into the sea. Mm. But if you just listen to what she says, she says, I killed him. Right. So she does confess in words to it. Right. And if Rashomon is to be believed, can we actually believe even the testimony of the Avatar? Can we believe the testimony of the dead even? Because in Ra- one of the lessons of Rashomon is that all testimonies shape the story a little bit differently, mm. whether consciously or unconsciously, to make you look a little bit better. So maybe 
do we pay attention to the images that we see, which are presumably the projections of Kiyoshi, or do we pay attention to her words where right. she says she did it? It's interesting to think about. Huh. That's true. Is Kiyoshi a reliable narrator? That's honestly, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Aang, because of who he is, would want to err on the side of maybe no. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so the mayor set, finally finishes his sentence and, he's, and he says, I find you guilty. Bring out the wheel of punishment. And the crowd cheers. Love that it's a wheel. Uh, so we cut back to Zuko and Iroh's cave and we see Zuko returning. Remember, he had he had walked away. And he says, Uncle, I thought a lot about what you said. And Iroh seems pleased by this. Zuko says, it helped me realize something. We no longer have anything to gain by traveling together. I need to find my own way. So he grabs his pack and walks away. And we see Iroh sort of yell out, wait. And he rushes behind him to bring him the ostrich horse. And we mm-hmm. see Zuko ride off. Now, what's interesting is I think... He really did think about what Iroh had to say. And he's not necessarily saying, I thought about what you said and I disagree with you, so we should part. But it may be, I thought about what you said. And if I need to find this in myself, I, that means maybe I need to let go of you mm. and really find this in myself. Yeah. Does Iroh cry? Do we, I don't think he does. I think we just see kind of the back of yeah, his head. Yeah, we see sort of... We can we can project tears onto that though. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is not happy, but he also might be like, "This is this is the right move." I mean, giving him the horse is uh, an endorsement of like, "I respect your choice." At, at, yeah. at minimum, I respect your choice. Yeah, it's a very Iroh thing to do when when he's when Zuko's gone off to like give him something to protect him. Right, right. Um, so now I'm fascinated that we have now separated Iroh and Zuko, and I'm wondering how long that's going to be for. I'm wondering where Zuko goes. I'm wondering where Iroh goes. Because Iroh's a free agent at this point. I'm so know? happy I know the answer. Yeah. I mean, Zuko, Zuko is tied to his own um, uh, his own journey, but Iroh feels like a real free agent. Mm-hmm. Like he could go in lots of ways. Uh, back to the trial. Uh, we see the bailiff now who has a crazy deep voice. <laughs> I kind of love it. Um, he says, the accused will now spin the wheel of punishment to determine his sentence. Um, so we see Aang standing before a huge wheel with eight different punishments on it. And I went through and looked at each one of these. Uh, I've paused it. So the he- little drawings on each of them. Yeah. Yes. So here are what I interpret the drawings to be. Okay. Your eight choices are be burned alive. Mm. Falling into a pit of razors, uh, eaten by a bear, which also looks like just hugged by a bear, um, eaten by a shark, boiled in oil, laying on a bed of nails, being tied up and whipped, or community service. There's a picture of a guy with a broom um, just sweeping the ground. Um, I love that it's like a carnival game, too. Exactly. It's part of the festival. Yeah. 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 Uh, So Aang spins the wheel, and everyone starts rooting for their favorite punishment. Uh, and the wheel lands on boiled in oil and the crowd cheers. Now, I found it interesting, right, that they have this sort of this this wheel of punishment, right? Which just makes you think of the wheel of fortune. Mm. Um, not the game show, but like this idea that the wheel of fortune is like fate, right? That there is this sort of randomness to fate and fate is on a wheel and you will have your times when you're up on that wheel and times when you're down on that wheel, right? So this sort of speaks to saying we are going to leave this up to fate and destiny, right? A wheel yeah. speaks to that. 
which I find really interesting. Yeah, especially given their ideas of justice are so much not random. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but just as the crowd is cheering at Boiled in Oil, uh, suddenly you see a grenade roll in and explode. Mm. Um, and we see this uh, this same Fire Nation group that we saw at the beginning that they ride in. Um, these rhino troops, uh, the, who we come to learn are called the Rough Rhinos. Yeah, they're just not like a, not a great name. Vigilante kind of group. Right. I don't know. Well, but it's interesting what they say. So they they roll in and they say, um, "We've come to claim this village for the Fire Lord." Oh, so yeah. whether they're they may not be you know like they may be rogues in some kind of way, but they are rogues in service of the Fire Lord, or mm. maybe they're like special forces. You know, true. Yeah, because they all seem to have. Unique identities and unique um, abilities where normally we look at the Fire Nation or Fire Navy or their army and they're just like, they're like stormtroopers and they're all kind of they're the units. same. Yep, right? yep. These are individuals. Um, so he says, now show me your leader so I may dethrone him. Um, and then we see one of the soldiers break the uh, statue of Chin, which is also interesting because this seems like a mirroring of Chin the Great coming to Kiyoshi 370 years ago mm. right so, like i have now come to take this mm -hmm. so i wrote not meaning this as a joke but i was writing notes really quick and i literally wrote oh it's a double chin and then i realized <laughs> wow bad bad pun but it is it's no, like it's, it's like we're seeing that come back um so then we see the mayor now pleading with ang you avatar do something and ang says gee i'd love to help but i'm supposed to be boiled in oil so here we see the mayor take the the wheel of punishment right this destiny this fate and just moves the wheel one space over and says there community service they'll serve the community and get rid of those rhinos right so it's sort of saying well is it fate and destiny or is it human will can yep. human will impose itself on fate and destiny how can you not say this has all kinds this doesn't have all kinds of great like ideas in it that's pretty interesting in yeah. a short little piece there right yep um, I think a lot of it is played off as comedy, but I think there's interesting ideas. So now we see Aang using the fans of Kyoshi to dismount and dispatch the first of the riders using airbending. Yes. And he like he gets rid of her outfit, right? But he still has the makeup on his face. Yep. He looks great. He does. He should just go with that look. I think I, he should. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, we see the rest of the rough rhinos flee to the town and set it on fire. Uh, we see Katara take out one of the rhinos with water bending, um, and Sokka uses the lens from his magnifying glass uh, to like focus the light on um, on one of the other rider's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and so that rider turns and fires an arrow at him blindly, but hits the explosive pack of the the rhino rough rhino rider who has the explosives. Like, Sokka's using what he's got. Exactly right. Um, so Sokka loses his hat, uh, but in the debris, he finds his boomerang, right? So he literally loses one set of props and finds his old props, finds his old boomerang. He says, boomerang, you always do come back. It's a great joke. <clears throat> so he throws his bubble pipe to extinguish the arrows of another, uh, of the archer rider. And then we see Katara water whip to dismount him. Mm. Um, so then we see Aang face off with the rough rhino leader in the alleyway. The rider charges at him. And starts to uh, bend fire, but Aang sort of air scooters around him and charges again. And then Aang air bends, kicks him off the rhino, and it's sort of the end of that scene. So he's defeated, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
yeah, I kind of zip through the battles because they're less interesting, <laughs> you know, to me other than some of those points. But, um, but, but he defeats them, right? So then we cut from there to uh, the sky at night filled with fireworks. The festival continues. That's right. And the mayor says, from now on, we'll celebrate a new Avatar Day. In honor of the day, Avatar Aang saved us from the rough rhino invasion. So then we see Sokka look down into, they're all holding bowls, looks down at his bowls and says, what is this? And the mayor says, our new festival food, unfried dough. May we eat it and be remembered and be reminded of how on this day the Avatar was not boiled in oil. (laughs) So we see our heroes um, look up and they look at and kind of taste the raw dough and the dough is like shaped like it's like gingerbread men like they're like these little dough men who are not boiled um and we see them try to taste them and katara says well happy avatar day everyone and Sokka closes the episode by saying this is by far the worst town we've ever (laughs) been to and this is coming from Sokka, who really, really disliked the town with the uh, the fortune teller, right? So Sokka is right. knows of what he speaks when he talks about uh, towns that he doesn't like. I feel convinced that this is a good episode. I really, like I really it. do. I mean, I didn't not like it to start out with, but I think I focused more on the humor and less on what was underneath it. You yeah. Know? So I so I've convinced you that this is a worthwhile one. Yeah. I also I really liked talking about identity, and I think all like Aang, Sokka, and Zuko all were wrestling with that and got some kind of resolution at the end. Absolutely. Right. So I yeah. So I, I really loved this idea of Sokka's quest for identity, mm-hmm. um, and this sort of question of like, what about the folks who aren't special? Because Sokka's not special in the way that. Katara and Aang are, right? He's, he's not a bender. Mm-hmm. So we see Sokka as warrior, as detective, as scientist. And I'm really curious where this is going to go going forward. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Um, another theme I saw was sort of the subjectivity of justice, of fate, of history. Yep. Um, and, and we get to see this picture of this larger arc of history, that it wasn't always the Fire Nation that were the tyrants. I wonder how Fire Nation folks thought about Chin the Great. Yeah. You know, how much of this is this also this wheel of fortune, this wheel of fate where right now the Fire Nation is on top. But if we looked at the longer sweep of history that this Mm -hmm. isn't cyclical, just like the Avatar has a cycle, that there isn't cycles of these different groups sort of being the being the dominant group. It makes me want to know if uh, the Fire Nation rising is in response to like uh, an imperial earth kingdom. You know, like I want to flesh out the history so much more. (laughs) Right. Uh we see, as you pointed out, Aang becomes another avatar. Like, yep. will, will we see more of this? Are we going to learn about more avatar pasts? Yeah. I, I love Kiyoshi. I really, like, I I didn't have my my character that I, like, absolutely adored until now. And it's like, now the problem is she's probably not going to be around because I don't think we're going to get to see a lot of Kiyoshi. <laughs> but I am 100%. So I think I'm going to probably take on Suki as my as my avatar because like I can't have Kiyoshi she won't be around that much but I like Suki because she seems cut from the same cloth do you think if you could live anywhere it would be Kiyoshi Island it's not bad it seems cool it's not bad yeah the weather the weather seems great too Uh, we see Aang's responsibility for past lives we talked about that we see that Suki and company have joined the war. Mm-hmm. You know, so we see those allies. And we also see the history of why they hadn't before now. Because I had wondered that before. Like, what? why are they this separate people? It's just we, we met them so early yep. that we didn't have a real sense of that. But 
that's I, I think that's really interesting. We, we talk about getting the gang back together, and I always think of that as being kind of the older crew, people like Boomy or right. You know, so it's cool to think that the younger folks could be that next generation of mm-hmm. fighters. So like Suki or maybe even Jet and mm-hmm. um, his fighters or like Haru, right? Haru, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, th- th- and this shows me that showed me that they're going to deliver on bringing these people back, and I'm so I'm so mm-hmm. excited, and I think we're going to meet new people too. But I love it. Uh, so last big theme, um, I was want to talk a little bit about Zuko, and uh, we got an email from somebody who is a, a huge fan of Avatar: The Last Airbender and mm-hmm. uh, a recent fan of this show. And it always we have a fan because this is somebody that we don't know. As far as I know, has no connection to us in any way. Right. Um, so I'd love to know how she uh, found out how she found the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, uh, her name is uh, is Jasmine Griffin, mm-hmm. um, and she uh, is clearly an Avatar scholar. Like you could tell, yes. um, uh, you could tell from what she wrote, and she wrote about our discussion of Zuko in the Cave of Two Lovers and sort of how to think about Zuko in the early parts of this season. So do you want to share what she wrote? Um, So this is just an excerpt. She sent us so much good stuff. Um, But she said, I've always thought of these episodes as being filled with messages aimed directly at the viewers. So I think what she's talking about is the first couple episodes of season two. Mm -hmm. For the Avatar state, I thought that the writers wanted to prioritize responding to people who would think like General Thong. People who saw the finale to book one and would ask themselves, why bother traveling around learning all the elements when you could just go into the Avatar state and destroy an entire army? So remember, General Fong is the one who tried to weaponize Aang. Mm -hmm. And in canon, the response to that is that it would come at Aang's expense as a person and that it's dangerous because the Avatar cycle could be broken. But the meta level writer's response to that is that the journey itself is worthwhile. And so I think what she, maybe she wrote after um, we were in the Cave of Lovers, mm-hmm. right? And yep. we talk about the journey being yep. being the, the worthwhile part. It's not about rushing to the Fire Lord as quickly as possible. It's about Aang pursuing his destiny his way. She goes on to say, this don't rush things attitude permeates Team Avatar's experience in the second episode as well. But I also think it's present in both of Zuko's storylines. It's always interesting to hear people see Zuko for the first time in season two and be surprised that he's not particularly different. I think your reaction of why is Zuko just saying the same things he was saying in book one, that that's a common one. And there's kind of a similar moment in the second episode. And again, in this episode too, right? Like he kind of Mm, he's going back to wanting the yeah, avatar yeah, again. Yeah. And he didn't really express that for kind of all of season two yet. I don't know that we ever heard him say the words, right. like, I'm trying to search for the avatar right, right, right. until now. Man, there's so much good stuff. So she goes on, she says, with Song, the show demonstrates that now that Zuko and Iroh are going undercover as Earth Kingdom refugees, they'll experience that lifestyle. They'll meet victims of the Fire Nation, their own victims, and empathize with them. But then Zuko steals the ostrich horse, and it's kind of contradictory to what we'd expect from him at this moment, because we expect him to have changed a bit. We expect him to show kindness to these people. I think the writers are intentionally making a point in these episodes about how little Zuko has changed. Zuko stealing the ostrich horse was another don't rush things message to the audience. Zuko's outlook on life isn't going to change between season one and two. It's not going to change with every empathetic experience he has. Zuko has a lot of work to do, and his path to self-discovery is not going to be easy or linear. 
He needs to find it for himself, which is literally what Iroh said this yeah. episode. For me, it feels a lot like the writers are saying, we know you watch the storm and the blue spirit. We know you see how much Zuko's life has changed in the path that we put him on. You want to push to the point where his outlook has changed, but he's just not there yet. Relax. We'll get there eventually. Enjoy the journey. I love that. Me and too. I, I love the observation that one empathetic moment, because he does, there is empathy there, but but that that's, that that's not going to change him entirely. And yeah. his life has been sprinkled with empathetic moments. Absolutely. It takes yeah. like a, everything combined together. Yeah, yeah. And and I think this, I'm glad that we were able to read that with this episode because what's the other interesting thing about this episode is there's very little Zuko and Iroh, mm-hmm. but it carries most of the weight of this episode. Agreed, yeah. You know, like, like I made this big case for why I think the Aang storyline, like what's great about it, but in truth, it's like they used that to Trojan horse in this really short but really important character points and philosophical points mm-hmm. between Iroh and Zuko, like, and emotional points and relationship points. So, like, I, I'm interested in that. Like, how much are they going to um, give us these little pieces in these other episodes which seem like they're about one thing? Because I, I think if you asked me, you know, three months from now about Avatar Day, I would forget about the Zuko <laughs> and Iroh stuff. Like, because because it it's it's almost like you forget even in the episode you forget it's like oh yeah that's in this too yep even as you're watching it yep so yeah I, and I think that I think that's the stuff that punches really hard so I think the this the clearly they're trying to walk this balance too mm-hmm. um, and I I really love it and I'm I'm really curious to see Zuko's arc and I love the fact that you know I have this sense that Zuko. You can you can feel it from from very early on that he's a richer character. He's probably a redempted character, but mm. I don't I don't know that. But um, to know that it's going to take a while, and it's going to take journeys, and it's going to take. Uh, I like that she says it's not going to be linear. It's not a straight line of he's yep. getting increasingly more and more like this. But there's going to be steps forward. And multiple steps back and multiple steps in weird diagonal directions. Right. And it's so easy for us and for like an audience for kids, but for anybody watching to be like, oh, um, Iroh used to be bad. Now he's good. Right. But probably Iroh went through a similar kind of process. Mm-hmm. And it's just we don't know what Zuko's going to turn out on the other side. Right. And, and we don't know what Iroh's going to be like on his own. Right. And we don't know what Zuko's going to be like on its own. And what's interesting about this episode, too, is we see the blue spirit who we had associated with, oh, that's like the good side of Zuko. Mm. Not in this episode. Yeah. You know, he robs from that rich guy, but he also robs from that couple who don't seem particularly wealthy. Right, exactly. They're just on the street in daylight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem like a turning point, but at the same time, I do want to listen to Jasmine's words and be like, it's maybe a turning point for Zuko. We don't know where he's going to turn to. But like, it's not going to be the only one. Yeah, like, there's going to be many of these moments because yep. it's a it's a better story than that. It's oh a yeah, better. It's a it's a better richer story. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for emailing. Please keep emailing. Uh, maybe we can have you on the show at some point. Annie, this has been a long episode. I think this is a really good episode. Mm. Um, if you're enjoying this journey, you should go to our website, avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com. You can find all the old episodes. You can leave comments. You can email us channel3900 at gmail.com. Um, I am so excited. I've, what I've heard is from this point on season two gets amazing. So I really can't wait. So we will be back next week, uh, with episode or with book two, episode six, the blind bandit. 